You're listening to the Hazard Ground Podcast, with service members from across the military, sharing their stories of combat and survival. And now, here's your host, Mark Zeno. Joining us now on the Hazard Ground Podcast, if you're an avid sports fan, particularly a Redskins fan, you'll know him as their special teams coordinator. But before he became an NFL coach, he was an Apache pilot in the United States Army, and he was also a graduate of West Point. It's Ben Kotwika on the Hazard Ground Podcast. Ben, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Mark. Thanks. All right, so let's start with your journey, because it certainly is interesting. You're, you're the second guy now that we've interviewed that happens to be connected to the NFL. We spoke with Nate Boyer. So, I, I mean, before we get into the military kind of comparisons to the NFL, because I'm sure you've heard plenty of them throughout your career, you went to West Point. A lot of people that we talked to know they were going to West Point from a very early age. Did you? Uh, no, not uh, not not at an early early age. Um, I uh, I grew up in uh, in Chicago, and uh, my dad was a, a police officer, so I I had a little bit of discipline, and he was in the military for a few years, so had uh, had a little bit of that in my upbringing, but um, really. Uh, Grew up, uh, you know, wanting to do good in school and and played football and um, uh, went to went to high school and uh, was fortunate enough to get recruited by a handful of schools and uh, really football was was kind of my ticket into West Point. So, were you going there because you could play football there, or was that something that came after the fact? No, uh, I, I knew that uh, when I came out of high school, I. Uh, I wanted to get a good education. Um, you know, I wanted to play Division One football, and uh, really, the military was 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 part of it. Um, there was things about it that that appealed to me. I really liked the, the campus, and um, you know, I think that's what kind of sold me on the place. Is when I was uh, around uh, around the the other students and the cadets uh, when I was at uh, when I was on my visit and such, and I could I could kind of assimilate to them and I think I, I made a strong bond with a lot of those people and I could see myself doing that so uh made the decision and uh it turned out to be a pretty good one you played linebacker at West Point and led the uh the cadets to the to their last 10 win season and their last commander-in-chief trophy but talk about your time there at West Point the balancing of the military part with the football part and, and how much did that prepare you for what was next in your military career yeah, well, I think that you know West Point challenges you in a in a bunch of bunch of different ways. Uh, obviously, militarily, academically, and and athletically. Uh, so it's it's very difficult to uh, you know be really great at, at all three of them. And so I think the one thing that that West Point does well is it teaches you how to fail and how to rebound. And so uh, during my time there, there was there was definitely a, a handful of challenges. Uh, I can remember. Uh, being a plebe or a freshman there and getting on the bus going to what they called mass athletics. And um, I went to the football place and there was about 25 other linebackers with me and, you know, trying to figure out, okay, so how do you just, you know, how, how do you just kind of survive? And, and what it teaches you is persistence and keep grinding. And fortunately I was able, able to do that and uh, played the junior varsity team my first year. And then I was able to start my, my last three years. So those, those that's one of the pillars I think that, that leadership laboratory teaches you is, uh, you know, how to overcome challenges, continue to grind, continue to be persistent and, uh, and, uh, in whatever challenges that, uh, that face, uh, face you, uh, not only in the military or in football, but in life. 
just kind of take me back for a second, though. When you were at West Point playing football, I mean, you had to know that you weren't going to be in the NFL. I mean, is that fair to say? I don't want to sound insulting or degrading to your football skills. No, no, I, I, you know, playing in the NFL was was uh, was a, was a dream, but I I, I never, um, I don't say never, but I, I knew that that would be a, an extreme long shot. You know, it's uh, you know, it's one of those things in, in in sports. You know, eventually somebody's going to tell you you can't play anymore. You know, whether it's in little league or high school or college or you know, you don't make it to the NFL. You know, one day somebody's going to say, hey, you just you know, whether it's you know, due to health or due to you know your ability, they're going to tell you that you couldn't play anymore. So, um, so yeah, I, I understood that that was a that was a long shot, and uh, um, you know, I was just fortunate enough to to contribute on on, on a couple teams and and uh, win some football games and win the Commander in Chief's Trophy as you articulated there uh, our senior year with a great group of guys. I really enjoyed the brotherhood, and that's what really what it was. Uh, it was a tremendous brotherhood. Uh, that we had there and uh, uh, really in, in, enjoyed that time. And, um, you know, when I graduated from West Point, I was, I was ready to go, go into the military and uh, I picked aviation and I was able to get it. And I thought flying would be a pretty cool thing to do. Did you know at that point in time that you wanted to be a coach? When did that pop into your head? Well, I think, um, I, I think I've always had the coaching aspect in, 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 in my mind. Uh, I think that, I was fortunate enough, whether it was in uh, Pop Warner or Little League or even in high school or college, uh, I was I was very very fortunate uh, to be surrounded by and led by and coached by uh, tremendous uh, coaches who, uh, who who influenced uh, me in many ways, and uh, so I, I could always see myself doing that. And as a player, I was one that. Uh, other you know coaches always would would tell me, hey, you know. Uh, you know, you'd be pretty good if you, you tried to do this, and so that was always something that uh, that uh, that I wanted to be a part of and do. Do you remember where you were on nine eleven and the circumstances around it? Yeah, nine eleven. I was down at Fort Rucker, Alabama. Oh, you were already um, there. I was. Yep, I was. Uh, I was taking the AH sixty four D transition, the Delta model longbow, uh, and I remember being in uh, being in class, and uh, you know, for those you know, for flight school, you usually go to class one part of the day and you fly the fly the other part and I was in class in the morning and um uh, I remember we we had a break in the in the class and then uh it, it came up and uh uh changed a lot of things. So you're at Fort Rucker, Alabama and nine eleven happens then. Is coaching that dream of being a coach so far out of your mind at that point in time or are you thinking like, wow, my life is gonna drastically change and now I don't even know if I'll ever get to be a coach? Yeah, I, I think when when nine eleven hit, uh, one of the last things on my mind was, uh, you know, going to coach uh, at any level, much less the the National Football League. Um, you know, I think that uh, at that time it was uh, the impact that that event had on so many lives, and uh, not only in the near term of those affected on ground at Ground Zero, but you know what the uh, secondary and tertiary effects moving forward would be. So. Um, you know, at that, that period of time, uh, my, my, my focus was uh, on the training and, and learning that aircraft and uh, uh, being the best officer and aviator that I could be. That, that, that's really where my focus was. All right, so you're in flight school, and you're finishing that up, and you know you're going to your first duty assignment. How quickly did you think you were going to deploy overseas? Um, 
I, I wasn't uh, wasn't sure, you know. So you know, when I went to when I went to flight school, uh, that was in 1998, and so then uh, you know my first uh, my first assignment was at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and uh, I, I spent some time there, and then uh, that was in 2000. I was over in Bosnia. So that's when that was going on oh, okay. back in 99, 2000. And then I came back to Fort Rucker in 2001 and took that longboat transition. So uh, when that 9-11 event hit, uh, my follow-on assignment was uh, um, was Korea. So, um, you, know, I, you know, just everybody knew that, that you know, the, the, the game had kind of changed a little bit and uh, things were things were going to be a little bit, uh, little bit different. So... Um, again, you know, when, when that event hurt, I, I was already preparing for my follow-on assignment, which was going to be how to Camp Page, uh, Korea. Did you find that Korea was, it was hard to deploy from? I've talked to a couple of other people on the podcast who were pilots in Korea who literally couldn't get overseas. Like they couldn't get to the Middle East because Korea was kind of like a stopgap for, for their career. Did you have any trouble? Did you actually deploy from Korea? Did you have any trouble getting out of there? No, I, I, I didn't. Uh, so when I left, that longbow course and uh, my advanced course, I want to say it was 2000, 2002, um, I, I went to, to Second ID and was at Camp Page, Korea, and then that's when the, you know, the war hit there, so you know other elements were deploying, so we were focused on our mission out there and uh, doing, doing our job, and then when I came back to the States, that's when I deployed, I, uh, I left Camp Page uh, Korea, and I went to uh, the First Cavalry Division at uh, Fort Hood, and that's where uh, that's where I deployed. So when I deployed to Iraq, I was part of the uh, the second wave uh, that uh, that went into uh, went into Iraq. Now it's interesting for those listening because you mentioned that you went to Bosnia. We also have had other people who have uh, were Apache pilots, as a matter of fact, in Bosnia. And flying missions in Bosnia is clearly a lot different than it was flying them in Iraq. I mean, the the rules of engagement in Bosnia were, were much more stiff. It wasn't like you were looking for people to shoot and things of that nature yet. And obviously Iraq, you're trying to save, you know, fellow soldiers on the ground's lives. So the question is, how much did flying in Bosnia prepare you for flying in Iraq? Well, uh, you're, you're correct. I, I think that not only that the mission was, was different uh, between Iraq and uh, Bosnia, but you know, the terrain was definitely different. Uh, you know, the, um, the terrain in, in Bosnia was more up and down. Uh, the weather was obviously a lot different than it was in Iraq, and, you know, which was really a, a you know, flat pool table that you, you flew over dealing with the heat and the sand and the wind. Um, but I just think that um, uh, the time in Bosnia helped me with my craft. And what I mean by that is just the ability to continue to fly the aircraft, which I think you're, you know, you were always trying to, to get better at. And then, uh, you know, navigating and communicating. And, and even while we were in Bosnia, we had missions where we were talking either with other aircraft or uh, troops on the ground. So um, that air-to-ground integration portion of it uh, was, was, uh, was important in Bosnia, and it was very, very important. Uh, when we got out to Iraq. So when you get to Iraq, what were you told your mission was going to be? What were your expectations? And kind of how did that all play out? Did you, you get into exactly what you thought you were getting into? Um, yeah, yes and no. I think that, uh, um, I think that, 
you know, the mission was is we were providing ground support uh, for the 1st Cavalry Division throughout, uh, you know, the area of operations. Uh, when we deployed, we, we ground convoyed up. We were at an airfield just north of, of Baghdad. Um, and uh, and so when we got there, uh, there was really nothing there. It was really a, a, an open airfield. So it took some time to kind of uh, establish uh, establish that as an as an operating base. And uh, the mo- missions were multiple. Um, there was, uh, as I mentioned, yeah, a lot of air-to-ground integration. I think that was the, the primary mission, uh, was supporting the guys on the ground, um, uh, you know, that were, were executing missions down there. Uh, there were also uh, route and ground reconnaissance uh, missions. There was convoy security, whether it be on the ground or moving VIPs or other personnel throughout the uh throughout the country. So, um, so the, the, yeah, the, the missions were, were very dynamic. Uh, it was a dynamic environment. Um, and, uh, it was always a, uh, an evolving mission. So, uh, it was, it was changing, uh, but, uh, but it was one that uh, I was fortunate enough to work with a lot of great people, a lot of great leaders. And, uh, we, we really had a, had a, had a pretty good team. Uh, that was a pretty good team when, uh, when we went over there. Do you remember your first engagement? Um, not my first, uh, I remember a couple of them. Uh, and what I do remember is that, uh, I was fortunate enough to be, uh, flying with another, uh, aviator who was very, very competent and very good at what he was doing. And, uh, uh, another wingman that was, that was flying with me. So, um, I, I owe a lot to those guys, um, you know, uh, the, the warrant officers that were, were on those missions with uh, with us were uh, very experienced, very knowledgeable, and uh, they were a tremendous asset to, to have in the aircraft, either with, with me flying or uh, next to me. Did you ever feel unprepared for any mission? Uh, no, I never felt unprepared. Uh, there were you know, a handful of other emotions going on <laughs> uh, when you fly those missions, but uh, being unprepared was not one of them. I thought that we... Uh, the leadership did an excellent job in our train up. Um, we had gone out to uh, to NTC and we had done a, uh, a full spectrum of operations with the uh, the ground guys, uh, the various maneuver brigades. You know, the military. I, I, you know, from my understanding now, the set is a little bit different. You know, the way that the air to ground integration occurs. So um, we had multiple maneuver brigades that we were working with and. Uh, And the only reason I ask that, I don't ask it as a pejorative for those listening as if to say that, you know, Ben wasn't a good soldier or a good pilot or anything like that. But, you know, war sometimes presents you with things that you haven't seen. And no matter how much you train for and no matter how many times you do rehearsals and exercises to practice for what you may see, there are things you're just going to run into that you've never seen and that you're not prepared for. It doesn't mean you're an unprepared soldier or unprepared pilot in his case. It's just that's the way combat goes. But you mentioned you experienced some of the other emotions. Tell me about those. Well, well, well. That just what sparks my my mind right there, Mark, is you know you'd mentioned you know not necessarily being unprepared, but you know the enemy's got to vote. It, it's right. kind of like every Sunday that I uh, that uh, that I'm a part of in the fall now. Uh, you know, you go in, you have a game plan, and um, uh, you know, much like the opponents that you play in the NFL, you know, when we were in Iraq, the enemy had a vote, so. 
uh, yeah, that was uh, uh, there was a lot of a lot of change in missions going on. So tell me about some of the other emotions that you went through. Uh, well, I think um, there's a gamut of them. I think that uh, you know, as far as uh, emotionally, uh, uh, you never know uh, you know what's going to happen out there. Um, you know, when you're you're going to fly, so there is a little bit of a, a nervousness there. There's a little bit of a, um, uncertainty. Um, I think that uh, there's also a, a degree of a confidence that you can get the job done, and I think that comes from the uh the those missions and those those train ups that we executed uh not only at at our unit level but with the um you know with the with the ground guys so um you know i think that the other thing that that was was is that you that you kind of feel a lot is rewarding and knowing that um you're really helping the guys on the ground i i've always i always felt that that was our our primary mission and you could just hear you know when you're making those communications with the, the infantry soldiers or the guys that are that are that are down there that uh, that you're helping about so that was uh that was pretty uh rewarding to to know that uh, you were providing support that those guys uh, readily needed you know when you have to make the decision to to pull the trigger in in your craft and and you know, you're doing it to save lives. But I wonder, and particularly because you're a football player, now a football coach, you know, there, there are times I would assume in a football game throughout your playing career where the guy across from you might have been bigger or he might have been stronger, and you know you were going to square up against that guy at one point in time in the game. And it's I think it's normal to, for the questions to creep into your head and say, you know, how am I going to fare against this guy in front of me? Did you ever kind of have those questions about how you would react in the moment when you needed to pull the trigger to save somebody's life? Um, I, I just think that the training part of it really takes over. I think that, um, uh, you know, there's a little bit of instinct. There's a lot of preparation. Um, uh, you know, you're just, you, you're just doing your job and you're, uh, you're kind of, you know, the word's not maybe in the zone or anything, but I think that there's just such a focus of what you're doing, um, that, uh, you know, if you've played sports or, or done a, done something that you feel a lot of confidence in, you just you're just doing it, and you just uh, you're uh, you're not overthinking or anything along those lines. So that that's kind of what uh, what I felt. I just felt a, a focus and understanding what what we were doing was the was the right thing. And uh, um, again, you know when when you know the the call came in to to execute that, you you knew that it was that it was for uh, for a, a purpose of of helping your fellow soldiers. Did you ever meet any of the guys, you know, that you were protecting on the ground after the fact? Well, we would have mission briefs with, uh, uh, ground guys. And so, um, uh, you know, they may not, you know, they, they don't know the face, but they may know the call sign. Right. So I think, uh, that was the, Hey, you know, that was, oh, shoot, that, that was vampire six or, Hey, that was, a, you know, that that's where, that's where you get to, to interact with uh with those guys and uh and they were great they were they were truly professional and uh uh just uh just just great guys to work with did, did any of them ever say thank you or was it kind of like you know hey you did your job i did mine kind of deal uh a little little bit of both i think you you, you got got a little bit of both and i, I think there was uh a mutual respect on on both sides uh I think that they had a, a great respect for what we were doing up in the air, uh, because I know that I had a tremendous amount of respect and uh, for for what they were doing on the ground. 
Did you ever feel like you were more in control in the air than you would be on the ground? Is that part of the reason why you wanted to be a pilot? Uh, no, I just, uh, the reason I wanted to be a pilot was I, I was in the military and I thought, you know, flying a helicopter would be a pretty cool thing to do. So that's really why I did it. And, uh, and I liked the mission of, of the Apache and, uh, how it provided, uh, support. And, and so I, I just thought, all right, so if I'm going to be in the military and, and do this, I, I want to do something that I think is pretty cool. So that, that's really how I got into the aviation deal. And I say that again tongue-in-cheek because it's funny. You can talk to a lot of infantry guys who will tell you they're more in control on the ground than anywhere else with the weapon in their hand and at the ready, you know, staring the enemy down. And then there are a lot of pilots who would tell you the exact opposite. I would never want to be on the ground. I have more control in the air of everything that goes on. So it's kind of like depending on your viewpoint and, and how you look at the world really makes you understand whether you feel like you're in control or not. So when your deployment to Iraq ends, uh, you go back to the States and what happens next? Right. So we, um, we left and, uh, um, we, we went back to Fort Hood, Texas. And actually during that transition, I had, well, during my time in the military, I had always kept in touch with uh, football coaches who had coached me. Uh, I was very fortunate, as I mentioned earlier, to be around, uh, be coached by uh, great men, and uh, Bob Sutton was one of those. He was my head coach when I was at Army, and uh, I was actually coming out of Kuwait, and I got an email from the then coach at West Point. This guy's name was Bobby Ross, who uh, who uh, I got an email from him and had asked if I would be interested in uh, going back to West Point and uh, coaching, and uh, I, I kind of thought that well, this might be a sign because it was something I always wanted to do. And uh, I didn't leave the military because I didn't like it. I really left it because I really uh, I really wanted to get into coaching. So I um, got that email. I responded to it and got back to the States and then uh, uh, ended up making the transition from the, uh, the military to uh, coaching in, uh, in the summer of 05. I mean, how elating was that, that email to get? Were you just totally shocked when you got it? Yeah, I was surprised. I uh, um, uh, I was, and I like I said, I kind of looked at it as, wow, this this might be a an opportunity that I can't pass up. And uh, um, so I was I was surprised to get it and uh, followed up on it. Coach Ross was uh, was awesome. Uh, he was uh, he was great and allowed me an opportunity to get back into it. And uh, and that's where I started my uh, my coaching career. When you left the military, did anybody? tell you that they thought you were making the wrong decision? No, no. I had uh, tremendous support from my chain of command. Um, now, that's not to say that they tried to, you know, keep me to stay. Um, and uh, uh, I, I appreciated and I respected that. Uh, but I think they, uh, my chain of command understood that this was uh, something that uh, that I really wanted to do, something that I was really passionate about. Again, I didn't leave the military because I didn't like it. I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed, especially that team that uh, went over to Iraq with me. Um, they, they was a, a great team, and uh, uh, and uh, I just I just didn't want to be, you know, forty five years old looking back and saying, you know, I could have been a pretty good coach. And so uh, at that time, in two thousand five, at the age of, uh, of thirty, I uh, made the transition and uh, uh, went out to uh, West Point to coach. So is it fair to say that if you don't get that email, you might still be in the military? Uh, that is fair to say, yes. 
Okay. I mean, and again, that's not, I wasn't asking it in any other way than just, you know, uh, you clearly have d- demonstrated a love for what you did uh, in the Army as a pilot, and obviously there's a greater love, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of us go on to, you know, very successful things in civilian careers after the fact. So let's talk about uh, your journey to the NFL. So you get back to West Point and you start coaching what was I guess it's kind of weird because like you seem to have an advantage over a lot of other coaches because you have this military experience yet you're coaching at West Point and everybody's got military experience. Uh, well, yeah, not on the coaching um, staff, but I, you know I what actually, I mean. I, my my time there, I actually co- I went back and I coached at West Point's prep school. So I was the defensive coordinator at the prep school in 2005 and in 2006 down at uh, Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. As where the prep school was, and uh, and it was neat. It was a really uh, really neat job because not only were you coaching football, but you had to do a little bit of everything. So there, uh, it was myself and uh, another coach, and um, it was uh, it was neat. It was great interacting with the uh, you know the cadet candidates, and then also um, also it was uh, neat to do a bunch of different jobs. You know, not only were you the strength guy, but you had to do the video, you had to do the the groundskeeping, you had to do the weight room, and you know, you taught a couple classes there as well uh, in physical education. So um, it was a it was a pretty cool job. Only a year into coaching at the prep school, another phone call comes that's unexpected, and you end up coaching with the New York Jets. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I was I was at the prep school. I just finished. Uh, I was in, I just had finished my in my second year there, and Coach Sutton, who I had mentioned earlier, was my head coach at Army. He um, uh, he called, and they were looking for a, what's called a quality control coach in the NFL, and uh, they were looking for a guy uh, to help him out on the defensive side of the ball and then help uh, Mike Westhoff, who's the special teams coordinator, um, to help him as well. So uh, he called, and uh, I went up uh, to New York and interviewed with Coach Mangini and uh, Mike Tannenbaum, over the, who was the general manager at the time, and uh, it worked out and ended up uh, accepting the job. So when you find yourself two years removed from the military and now you're standing on the sidelines of the NFL as a coach, did you pinch yourself and go, how the hell did I get here? Yeah, a a little bit. You know, I just, like I said, I consider myself very fortunate. I mean, uh, you know, uh, it was, you know, difficult, you know, not not difficult, but you got to ask yourself some questions there, you know, as far as, you know, when you're leaving the military and you're kind of moving up those ranks, I had been a, company commander in combat in, in Iraq and was, was, was doing okay there. I, I think that would have worked out pretty well, um, but wanted to get into coaching. And then when you go to be a quality control coach, um, you know, just to give you a familiarity with there, that's a, uh, uh, that's one of those jobs where, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're working a lot of hours and not for a lot of pay. And that's kind of one of those things where, you know, you're breaking down film at night and uh, doing the grunt work. So that began the climb uh, of that ladder in the coaching uh, industry. And, uh, um, you know, that was rewarding because I was, I was around a lot of great coaches uh, during that time. And, and that's really how you learn the game. This quality control world is really how you break down, study opponents, and uh, kind of understand the game more and more. All right, so how long did you spend with the New York Jets? So I... Uh, let's see, 2007 was my first year, 2013 was my last year, so that's, uh, oh, help me out, that's seven seasons, I think. Uh, so I did quality control for uh, two years, and then um, under Coach Mangini, and then in 2009, uh, Rex came in, 
and uh, Rex got the job, and that's where I transitioned a little bit out of defense and primarily to special teams, working with Coach Westoff, uh, and I did that for a handful of years, and then I got the coordinator job when he retired, um, and uh, I did that for one year in 2013. And now would be a good time to tell you that as a Giants fan, you left the team cross town from the one that I root for for the Jets to go to one of their rivals in Washington to be the Redskins special teams coordinator. How did that go down? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, uh, the NFLs, you know, can, can be kind of transient. You know, it's a little bit like the military, you know, moving around from place to place. But um, 2013, uh, Coach Gruden had called. Again, uh, Coach Sutton had, had helped me out there, and he had known uh, Jay's brother, John, and, uh, um, you know, Jay was looking for a guy to help him out on the special team side. And, uh, he offered me a coordinator job in 14 and, uh, uh, uh fortunately I've been, uh, been able to stay and we were, we're, we're battling and, uh, we're going into our, our fourth year here. So, uh, it's been excellent. My family and I, we, we love it right out of sight of DC here. And, uh, um, you know, had some uh, had some success in our second year. Uh, you know, winning the division, making the playoffs, and unfortunately, your Giants uh, beat us in the last game of the year to keep us out uh, this year. So, uh, we're in the process of trying to get better and uh, uh, try to uh, try to uh, make another run at it this year. Well, we we, we don't want to get into a football discussion right now because obviously it could get very heated at this point in time. But uh, anyway, in all seriousness, so you, you're in the NFL, and I mean. There are so many parallels between the NFL and the military, and I hear them all too, and I get them from people, you know, do you get annoyed by them? Do you get bothered by them? What's your kind of stance on that when people talk about going into battle and going into war? I mean, it doesn't really affect me per se, but everybody has a different kind of take on it. Yeah, no, I I don't take it uh, personally, or I I understand it. I mean, I I, I can see that there are some similarities there. Um, You know, I by no means mean that what we do uh, on a week in and week out basis is a, a life to death and to, to you know correlate it that way. But what I do see is I do see some parallels uh, on you know the planning aspect of it at the strategic and the tactical level, uh, how to use the resources that you have, which you, you do in the military. Uh, but the, probably the biggest one is is putting the team together. I think that. Uh, much like when you're in the military, you know, when I was a lieutenant and a company commander, I mean, I was, I was leading soldiers that, I'll shoot, you know, warrant officers that were, you know, twice my age who had been in the military as long as I'd been alive. Uh, And so you're, you're melding them with, you know, guys that are just coming out of, just coming out of high school. And so just like in the NFL, you're taking guys from various backgrounds, uh, whether it's socially, economically, age, uh, you know, you're taking all those guys together and you're building a team. So I think to me, that's the parallel that I draw is taking a group of individuals and working together towards a common goal. And uh, whether that's in Iraq, uh, executing those missions, or it's on Sundays here at FedEx Field, uh, that's what we're trying to do. All right. I want to ask you a bunch of questions comparing football and the military. And I want to caveat it by saying, look, none of this is meant to be a shot at either one. I'm just curious to know which side of life you find a little bit easier. For example, more insufferable to deal with at times. Rookies in training camp trying to pick up special teams or privates in the military? <laughs> um, uh, 
both can be uh, both could be a little bit frustrating at times, uh, but um, uh, I'd say that's uh, that's about even. More irritating the headsheds of the military that you have to deal with and all the brass, or the front office. <laughs> well, I think uh, I, I think I try to try to keep the bigger picture in mind in, in both of those. Uh, both of those scenarios. So I, uh, I've been fortunate enough. I can't even say either one. I've been fortunate enough to be around great front offices. And as I mentioned to you before, when I was in the military, I had a great chain of command. So, uh, uh, so I, I, don't, I don't feel either one really. When you look at an NFL sideline and you look at a military unit, uh, what is the one characteristic that stands out to you about both of them? The one characteristic that stands out to me is that whether it's a a soldier on the flight line or in the military or it's a a young guy that's just come out of college, deep down inside they they want to do good. They they really really want to succeed. And I think that my mission, whether it was as a lieutenant or a captain in the army or as the coach, is to provide them. Uh, whether it's instruction or resources to perform at the best of their ability. Um, I try to take them to where they couldn't go by themselves. And I just hope that I'm able to give them, whether it's uh, the players that I deal with now or even the soldiers that I had back then, I, I'm just hopeful that I'm able to give them some tools because cause that's what they want. At the end of the day, they want you to be able to help them. And uh, I know with our players, that uh, that each day I, I try to, whether it's through a technique or a coaching point or, like I mentioned here before, a resource, uh, I, I just want to try to help them be the best players that they can be. Taking the concept of saving a life out of this whole thing, what is more exhilarating, completing a mission in the military or getting a W on Sunday? Right now it's a W on Sunday. <laughs> and, uh, hopefully, hopefully we can get the... Uh, get a few more than our divisional opponents, especially those New York Giants. You keep bringing and, that up here. <laughs> uh, get back to get back to winning that division and having a shot at the trophy. Uh, so uh, the, the W on Sunday is, uh, is pretty cool. What is more emotional for you, Sundays in the NFL or looking back at your time in combat and what you had to go through there? Well, uh, I, I'm so focused on what we're doing doing right now i would say to you that in the moment and as i go about day in and day out uh uh what, what we're doing uh here in washington is, is pretty important and pretty emotional i get into it now uh, if i get on my bike and i go ride for uh for an hour and a half or or, or i'm sitting at a fishing fishing hole thinking back uh i i really have great fond memories of of my time in the military and uh, you know, thinking about those those guys that uh, that uh, especially that team that I went to Iraq with that 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 can get a little bit emotional. But um, now's not the time to get captured and all that kind of you know that kind of stuff because, like I said, once uh, once uh, the season hits around, that that's uh, that's pretty important for us. So uh, to answer your question, in the moment, it's uh, it's it's the game. But you know, if I have time to sit back, I, I just really had fond memories of my time in the military. You talk about those memories, and you can hear the emotion in your voice about the bond that you have. Is the bond that's between soldiers the same as the bond between football players? Um, I, I think so to a degree. You know, each person is different. Uh, 
Um, I think the the bonds uh, uh, between you know the players and the coach can can be pretty strong, and those between soldiers, you know, and um, in the military is, is 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 pretty strong. So I think that those are forged, you know, through the hard work, uh, the time invested, and, and I think that's what you know makes things rewarding. Whether it's being successful on a mission. Uh, when you're in the military or winning on Sunday. So that, that hard work that goes into it, uh, you know, really, really fortifies the bonds that you, that you make. More physically challenging, Army PT or two-a-days during training camp? Uh, <laughs> probably the Army PT. Really? Now, I'm just a coach in two-a-days, so you right. could ask a player. That might have a different, <laughs> uh, they might have a different take on it. I'm, I'm sure they probably do. Uh, though we haven't had two days in a while because yeah. the new collective bargaining agreement yeah. over the last few years has kind of kind of reduced that. But uh, for me, uh, yeah, the, the PT when we're going at it pretty good in the military. When you get around new guys who don't know your background and experience, and, and rookies who come in, uh, and they find out that you were a pilot in Iraq and were in combat, what's generally their reaction? Uh, I, I think they're 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 very uh, uh, respectful. They're very uh, um, complimentary of what I ended up uh, what I ended up uh, what I ended up doing. What's 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 amazing is the number of uh, players that have whether it's a relative or a friend that that is in the military. So um, you know, there's usually a, a good portion of people that have some kind of relation there. When you look back at your time in the military uh, and you look at your time in the NFL, is it fair to say which one has been more successful to you than the other? Um, no, not yet, because this one in the NFL is still going. Yeah, right. Uh, Got to hold that Lombardi up one day. When you look back at your time in the military, is there something that you take it away from that that you can constantly apply in the NFL on a daily basis with your, with your players? Uh, yeah, I think that just the, the perseverance and the grind and overcoming, overcoming the challenges, you know, that's what I, I kind of, kind of take with me and knowing in some of the places that I've been, you know, even though that, uh, it's, it's, you know, can be uh, a struggle at times and overcoming challenges. I think knowing, you know, where I've been and what I've done, uh, that, uh, there's, there's not much that can, can keep me back from, from what we're going to do. All right, and finally, I, I want to ask you sure. about this, and if you don't want to answer it, you are totally okay, and I won't even put it in the podcast because we're recording this ahead of time. I need to know about the cup on the sideline. Was that an instinct that you had from Iraq that, <laughs> hey, when you got to go, you got to go? Yeah, you, you know, I mean, I think most men, not even most men, most people can kind of relate to that. Um, there are some times that uh, you, just, uh, you just have to uh, – bodily function takes over. So I, uh, yeah. And, uh, what's even, I'm just, I'm just kind of exacerbated that somebody would take a picture of that. I mean, you got a football game going on and like, Hey, there's a lot of other things to to look at. And I tried to be as indiscreet as, as possible, but it was an awful long run and I didn't have time to go all the way there. So, uh, but, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was good for some, some laughs and, uh, 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 you know, try to use it as a learning lesson for, for the players. You know, life's a lesson you live and learn. And uh, had a few good laughs and, uh, um, you know, just ended up moving forward. But, 
uh, I'll just keep that in mind next time I got to go. Yeah, and for those listening who aren't familiar, just the, the, the PG version of it, it was during the middle of a game and you had to go to the bathroom and there was the, the bathroom was a long ways away, so you used the cup and some clown, and I, and I stress clown, literally took a picture of it because that's what we do nowadays when people do things. So <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, um, when, uh, so you just always be aware of your surroundings. Exactly, but, right? I keep, think there's a handful of people that have been in that situation and they, they, they know it's <laughs> You got to go. You got to go. Right. Keep your head on a swivel there, Ben. All right. uh, One more final thought. You know, when you look back on everything and and you talk to people now about your military career, what what do you tell them? How do you characterize it? Um, I just uh, I I tell them that that was a a tremendous chapter uh, uh, in my life. I I really, uh, really enjoyed it. And I think what made it enjoying was. It most enjoyable was the people, and that's what I take away from it. Whether it was at West Point, whether it was with the 1st Cavalry Division, whether it was in Korea, whether it was in flight school, uh, the opportunity w- to, to work with really, really prideful Americans and uh, uh, come together as a team and, and work towards a mission, that, that's that's what I take with me. I, I take those relationships and those experiences and uh uh, when I made that decision, uh, uh, shoot, back in 1992, 93, to, to go to West Point, I had no idea where it would take me, and I would do that again in a heartbeat. And uh, I just feel very, very blessed and very fortunate uh, to, to, to be where I am today. So, um, you know, as far as uh, the military, I, I have nothing but, but great memories. Well, Ben, listen, your story is inspirational. Uh, I, As a fellow guy who puts on a uniform, I'm proud of everything you've been able to accomplish, uh, not only of your service, but look, you know, to put yourself in the position, there's not a lot of NFL coaches in this world. There's a finite number of jobs out there, and you've got one of them, and you damn well earned it. Uh, and we certainly thank you for everything that you've done. And I do wish you well as a coach, even though it's the Redskins. I do wish you well. <laughs> I want to see you succeed, just not at the Giants' expense. So if the Giants have a bad year, I hope you guys take advantage, and I hope you guys get all the all way right. up and lift the Lombardi well, Trophy. Well, thanks. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate you having me on. You've been listening to the Hazard Ground Podcast, hosted by Mark Zeno and produced by Matt Pascarella. If you have an interesting story to tell and you'd like to be on the show, send us an email at hazardgroundpodcast at gmail.com. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.